Good morning. This is Jim Colburn of Commodity Research Group. I'm with Andy LeBeau, also of Commodity Research Group, and we're here to talk about energy markets. To learn more about us, you can check out our website, commodityresearchgroup.com, where we post our podcasts and blog. We would like to thank our friends at EKT Interactive Oil and Gas Training for hosting this podcast. Check out their newsletters, podcasts, and learning modules at ektinteractive.com. This podcast should be construed as market commentary, merely observing economic, political, and market conditions, and is not intended to refer to or endorse any particular trading system, strategy, or recommendation. We are not responsible for trading decisions taken by anyone. Information is not guaranteed to be accurate. This is not an offer to buy or sell any derivative. Today is uh, March 13th. Good morning, Andy LeBeau. Good morning, Jim Colburn. Uh, I just want to uh, point out, Andy, that as old-time observers of these markets, we sometimes tend to say it wasn't like you know today's action uh, was much worse in, a, in the old days, right? So, but it's not. This is this is historic stuff we're going through in oil markets. And um, why don't you pick that up and run with it? What do you think? I think you're right, Jim. I mean, we've certainly been through uh, been through a lot over our uh, long and uh, very checkered career in the uh, in the futures markets, and particularly the in the uh, crude oil market. Uh, this is definitely one for, one for the books. You know, I was going back looking at previous lows over over history, and having lived through every one of them, Jim. Yeah. You know, like oh my goodness, oh my goodness, and um, you know, and and this one was uh, this one has definitely been a, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, right? Uh, because we, as you said, we've ne- we've never had a demand shock coupled with a supply shock, and uh, you know, it has definitely without without a doubt sent the market just reeling from you know, it, it's amazing. We were, we were WTI was trading in the sixties in January. And we're on, we're under thirty in uh, in early March. Uh, I think it's thirty two, thirty three, thirty three now. So um, you know we we we've really never we've never had this. And, no, you know I think the market and and traders and every every all participants are trying to figure it out. Yeah, I just just to and I know we're going to get into this a little more later, but I just want to let you know um, we saw yesterday um, somebody buy some June. Six dollar fifty cent puts. <laughs> Ooh, just you know, the small size. But um, I'm just saying that it's the the panic is showing up. Yeah, definitely. Well, that would be a new all time low, yeah. six seventy five or six fifty. I, I think yeah. the all time low, if I'm not mistaken, is nine seventy five. So we've you know we've been under ten dollars. Could we get there? I don't know about that, but. You know, well, scarily, it's it's not completely out of the realm of possibility. So why don't why don't we start with um, the OPEC meeting and and what's going on there, and then uh, maybe get back into the uh, EIA IEA's uh, demand uh, estimate uh, revisions. And uh, but let's let's start with OPEC. I mean, why don't you just recap the meeting? And yeah, that was a you know that that was quite a meeting, and uh, I think one obviously unforeseen by the by the market given the the gap down action you know the big the big losses that it that it sustained overnight and um 
you know, we, we all of us had, had thought, all right, well, OPEC's going to cut a million barrels a day and, uh, you know, Russia may or may not chip in. But that that didn't happen. OPEC wasn't OPEC, i.e. the Saudis, uh, Kuwaitis and UAE uh, weren't willing to uh, cut without without a Russian cutback. In fact, they made quite a gamble telling the Russians that if they didn't cut, then, you know, they weren't going to cut either. But not only did they not cut, you know, not only are they not cutting, but after the meeting, it became very clear that they were going to increase production. So the market went into a meeting thinking, okay, we're going to get some kind of cut between a million and a million and a half. And it came out of the meeting where we're actually not only, we're going to get an increase. You know, we're going to get an increase of upwards of, of 2 million barrels a day, maybe more. And uh, there was obviously a lot of, uh, a lot of posturing at that meeting. I, I don't think the Russians played it very well. I, I don't think the Russians thought it would get, you know, the Russians were saying we're okay at 40, but I think the Saudis came back and said, all right, well, how are you at 30 or how, how are you at <laughs> right. 20, right? right. And, and, and hence we have a, you know, we have a full-blown, full-scale price war on our hands. And, uh, you know, it's, it's gotten ugly and I think it, it could get, you know, even uglier. So we... So take, take Saudi Arabia, they're, they're talking about expanding their capacity to what, around 13 million? Right. And they're, they're saying they're going to increase production to 12, uh, 12.3 million barrels a day in April. We'll see if that happens. Uh, you know, I think the market is, they're currently, you know, their, their February numbers were around 9.7. So, you know, they're talking about 12.2. So that's 2.5. I, I think, you know, realistically, it's going to be in the 11s. Still, you know, that, that's, that's a big increase. And the UAE is talking about increasing a million barrels a day over their current number of around, you know, 2.9, 3.0 million barrels a day. I'm not sure they have that. Um, you know, never been up around four ever. So we'll, we'll see if, they, if they're able to come, you know, whether, where they come where they come in. Right. So, um, yep, go ahead. Sorry. And, and of course, you know, we, there's still big wild cards because Libya, Libyan production is down a million barrels a day because of the, uh, because of, um, you know, the political battle there. You know, if they, if they came on, then we've got to add, you know, we had a million barrels a day on, to, on top of that. Right. You know, so that, that's, again, you know, that, that's frightening. So, We've seemed to have, it's only been a couple of days, we seem to have paused around this $30 area. Is that, do you think that, what, is that, is that like a sort of a storage demand, people buying front month crude, storing it? I mean, the curve is definitely, we've, we've, we've gone um, uh, contango enough to make it profitable to store. Is that? Oh, right? yeah. 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 It probably, probably is some demand. Uh, you know, usually when the prices are, are get hit this this hard, we usually see China come in and, um, you know, become very aggressive buyers. You know, I've not heard that they're aggressive buyers, that their issue. And I think this is something we need to discuss, Jim. The big issue is where are we going to put all this? You know, storage right. is going to become really, you know, really an issue. And, and May, June Brent, which was trading, you know, May over June, just, you know, a few weeks ago, 
it's at some point was down, you know, right now I think it's a minus 170 carry, you know, can tango. Mm. Yeah, that's a huge, that's a huge number. Yeah. Uh, June Deese Brent is 90 cents, a, 90 cents a month. So, you know, that, that, that all works for storage plays. Yeah. It, and at some point it, it, as that thing spread continues to blow out, it tells you there's no more storage as well. Right. right. There's no yeah. more storage and all, you know, you got to get boats. You have to get, you know, I think Eastern hemisphere storage is going to be tough to find because China, you know, they, they were at record crude storage because of the, because of the drop in demand due to the virus. Right. So, you know, they're starting out at high storage. You yes. Know, maybe, they'll, maybe they'll put some, uh, you know, put some in, in strategic storage, but their commercial storage is, is, you know, pretty full up. Well, it's, uh, it's interesting. We, um, if you look at the CSO, the uh, spread, spread options that uh, we start to see some out of the money, uh, like minus one dollar uh, puts trade for May and June. Um, I think like about six thousand uh, Junes traded uh, yesterday. So um, it looks like you have some people uh, looking at that. You know that that scenario of of uh, continued uh, contango and deeper deeper contango as well. So my point is, it's showing up and um, people people put money down on that on that kind of possible outcome. Right, and uh, I think you know, looking at the looking at the uh, balances, you know, it's pretty hard to argue against that. Right, you know, it, it's just hard to it's hard to argue against storage filling up. I mean, in the U.S., the Western Hemisphere, there is storage available. Yes, um, that that there's there's no doubt. And if you look at the EIA numbers. You know, last it was only a few years ago. We were at record crude. You know, crude storage was 535 mm. uh, million barrels. It's now at you know, it's now at uh, 450. So you know, there's at least it, we've recently been there's 85 million barrels to go at least till we get up to that 535 number. You know, and it, it's hard to argue that we won't get there. Right. So I guess what I'm saying is for, for the disaster scenario in crude oil to get down to some of those low, record low prices that you mentioned, you, you kind of have to see storage fill up, do you think? I, mean, I think so, yeah. yeah. I, I, I think so. I mean, or, or we get a demand response. But, you know, obviously China's going to have to come back uh, and we'll see how bad demand is going to be in, in Europe and in the, uh, in the U S yeah. I I mean, the virus seems to be growing exponentially in Europe now, not, not in China. And, uh, and you know, it's picking up, it's picking up outside of China basically. And China seems to be, you know, they're getting double digit new infections each day more people are leaving hospitals and going in, I guess. But still, it's, you know, how do you come back from that? Does everybody go back to normal? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so either. We, uh, we don't know. We don't know, you know. Yeah, we don't, we don't know. I think, what, I think the best thing we said in the last podcast is we just, and you said it like three or four times, we just don't know how this thing's going to play out still. Right. Yeah. But what we do know is that if, you know, Saudi's putting, if Saudi's going to put 11 million barrels a day onto the market, yeah, uh, 
you know, in, in April, the, the market just can't handle, you know, can't handle that particularly. And if UAE is throw, you know, throwing in extra, you know, whatever they end up producing and, you know, Russia tries to produce more, you know, the market can't handle that. Right. It just can't. And uh, so we've got a supply shock and then, um, you know, demand is not going to, it doesn't matter how low gasoline traded, we were, the, I don't know, 85 cents yesterday. 80, it was under 90 cents on the nearby. Yeah. I mean, gasoline really took a big hit oh. relative to the rest of the oil uh, to, to other products and, and crude. So what, what, was, what was that? So that's a New York Harbor futures contract we're looking at. Right. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, the market is, is obviously, you know, that's, that's got to be a complete demand response because the supply, there are cargoes coming in. You know, Europe is sending us gasoline cargoes, but they come in every month. I think that was just the, you know, that's got to be a demand response that no one's driving. Yeah. Um, It happened so quickly, you know, boom, the cracks got killed, the heat to gas got killed. The first two months got everything with gas, everything versus nearby gasoline was destroyed. uh, Destroyed, yeah. Yeah. Well, nearby gasoline was destroyed versus everything else. Yeah, right, right. So, what does this mean? So some of this um, OPEC has to be upset with Russia. Russia's upset. Probably the producers are upset watching every time they cut back. The U.S. fills the void. Um, what's, what does this mean? These lower prices mean for U.S. production? That is a, um, you know, yeah, that, that clearly is Russia says that it was behind their um, you know, behind their, their whole strategy, but I, I, I don't think their strategy could have been, could have been this, you know, could have been this intense yeah. uh, to see prices this low. But, you know, now that they're down here, they could, you know, they could just say, okay, well, we're going to, you know, we're going to wail on the, uh, on the U.S. producer. And, you know, last, year, last time we were down here was just a few years ago. U.S. production went down 1.1 million barrels a day. I think it was like 9.6 to 8.5 when prices were this slow. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so they've rebounded from there, you know, back to 13 million barrels a day. I think, yeah, we're going to see at these prices, you know, clearly there's not going to be a lot more drilling going on. And, you know, we're, we're going to, we're probably going to see U.S. crude production decline. It's just like, you know, how quickly is it, how quickly is it going to uh, decline? The EIA says that U.S. crude production, they had us at, for 2020, they had us at 13.2 million barrels a day for the year in their last Outlook now they're at 13, uh, which would have been a which is a growth of like 700,000 barrels a day. And next year, uh, they have us falling to 12.7 million barrels a day. So that that's not that much, you know? Right. That's not yeah. that. If we're at 13 now or 13.1, and they say 12.7, that's only 400,000 barrels a day decline. I mean, it could be more than that, you know? Is it going to yeah. be one, one? I don't. I don't I don't think so. You know, you, you, have, the, you have the majors in there and, and uh, their cost structure is, is, is much lower. I think half a million is, is probably right, you know. So to go through all this, to just squeeze out half a million barrels a day of U.S. production is, you know, crazy. Yeah, I mean, and some of them have a cushion. Of, it probably hedged for 2020 at higher, 
better prices, but maybe not so much for 2021. Oh, I think that most people right. are under-hedged. For, under-hedged, uh, yeah. Under-hedged, yeah, for 2021. I think 2020, maybe 50 to 60% hedge, maybe more. Right, yeah. So, so um, yeah, U.S. production is, is, is going to go down. There, it's just how, you know, how, how much. And, yeah. you know, well, th- that remains to be seen. And we're, we're certainly going to see some consolidation, you know, in the, in the sector and some bankruptcies probably. Well, I'm just hoping, Andy, that some aggressive uh, investment bank, and we won't mention names, has already gone into Guyana and uh, oh, God. got them to uh, borrow money <laughs> off of future revenues. And, you know, I feel, you know, I feel sorry for those folks. They're already probably counting the, the uh, money, and now it's, whew, it's gone. It's gone, right. It's, and, yeah. uh, you know, that's a, probably a higher cost for that's certainly a big project. It had to have cost a lot of money. Same with Norway, and same with same with Brazil. Yeah. So you know these are these are really frightening, you know, frightening numbers. For so the get. the other thing is I, I I can't tell you how many stories I've read over the last few years about how uh, volatility is over in oil markets. Oh, and, you know, let's it's, talk about it, Jim. I mean, part of it was the the shale. You know, when prices go down, they're going to shut back, uh, cut back. When prices go up, they're going to come online. And um, you know, we just saw mon- Monday. I, I I tracked a second nearby because sometimes the the numbers get crazy as you get close to expiration in the front month. So, um, and and so I've been tracking the second nearby option at the money for a long time. And uh, Monday's number was one hundred five and a half, which. T- which is pro- which is number two since these options started trading in terms of high. The big number was was uh, January fourteenth, nineteen ninety one, Gulf War one, just before the bombs dropped. We were up around one thirty five, and then um, in two thousand eight, when we went from like one forty seven down to what was it thirty five dollars, Val got up to one hundred and five. So this is a this is an extreme event. Uh, from an option standpoint as, uh, as well. Volume day on, on Monday was over 500,000, not a record day. But what's really, really strange to me is that on the way down, this is just not, you know, not every day, but most days I'm seeing more puts trade than calls, which you might expect, but slightly more open interest on calls than puts. So, they're both increasing in open interest, but it, it seems like there's this net-net bottom picking going on. So as the market goes down, yes, you'd get put buying, but you also have, it's met with some uh, put selling. So the, you know, the open interest doesn't, of, of people that already have positions, so open interest doesn't go up as much. Whereas on the call side, you start, it, it looks like people are bottom picking. So it's kind of weird, but that's what it, what it looks like. And again, I mentioned the extreme you know, we're seeing April 1350 puts, May 1050 puts, and June 650 puts um, trade. Very light volume, but um, it's it's interesting that uh, there are people that that are that are actually doing that. So, um, and I mentioned the spread options, the the uh, minus uh, dollar puts are are trading, and um, those those are the trades that were put on yesterday. So. Um, so, so basically, pretty pretty close to historic uh, stuff going on here. 
So, Jim, I, I talk about historic stuff. I, I know that, you know, you having lived through a lot of these uh, market declines. You should see and, my hair. Yeah. <laughs> what hair? <laughs> uh, if you're down, I know you, you're, if, if you were on the desk right now, odds yeah. are that, a, 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 um, you know, somebody would come to you and need to hedge and say, well, what do you do now? Yeah, what do yeah. you do now that the market is, you know, in the low 30s and vols are out here? How what should I be doing? To, well, it's it's to hedge? you know, it's a little late. I mean, the house is burning down and you want you say, well, gee, how can I buy insurance on that house? Well, nobody's going to give you an insurance when when, you know, it's looking grim. You know, there if you're a producer, there's existential risk. I mean, does it does it make sense to buy $20 puts so you're still going to be viable there. It's hard to, you know, you can buy $20 put, sell $40 calls, something like that. That's for hedgers. For as a, as a, I'm a, you know, as a small speculator, these are the kind of markets that you really, you know, I remember during the stock market crash and what was that, 87, I bought some deep out of the money calls and it's, my timing was perfect. The market bottom went straight up. My calls were losing value because I bought such high volatility. So, right. you know, so, so in this, we had this, we faced this in Gulf War One where we were looking to uh, buy puts for somebody and they didn't like the premium because it was so expensive. And we said, well, why don't we try a put spread? So you buy a put in uh, one strike, you sell another put of a lower strike, and then the market goes down and volatility is blowing out and you get very little response from the put spread because both strikes are acting like, you know, at the money option. They have deltas of, of similar values. So, and then you add the bid offer spreads in there, you're, you're not making very much money at all. And I remember one guy, one customer put the put, had the put spread on, market drop. We looked at the price and he was only making like 25 cents. He said, I'm not getting out at 25 cents. Then it went up. So we lost, <laughs> you know, so I'm just saying it's, if, if I'm looking at this, I'm saying I don't, I don't want to trade it if I have the choice. Now, now, if you're in it on a daily basis, then you, you know, the best thing to do is to eyeball it and say, okay, I need protection at, you know, $20, $25, what's the, $30. What's the premium price? Does that make sense? Yes, no. Do it, don't do it, that kind of thing. Right, right. And, and um, same thing on the call side, except if the market rallies, pretty much, you can pretty much, I don't want to say anything is uh, certain, but vols will probably come down. So you really have to, you know, you have to look at what's your projected price and then eyeball the premium and say, okay, if I buy this strike and pay this premium and the market goes to that price, I'll make money. You can't say, you know, I'm going to buy this call, out of the money call, and all that market has to do is go up and I'll make money because vols could collapse, like I, like I was saying before. Right. So, um, you know, I tend to like markets that are really low volatility moving into a high volatility mode. And that's, you know, as a, you know, coming at it as a speculator, I, don't, I, I would just kind of stay away from this market. That's me. You know, I know we, we had spoken about this earlier in the week, but if you were an end user here, you know, an airline or a trucking yeah. company or uh, 
you know, fleet operator, what, what would you be doing? Well, that's really difficult because you have no idea how many passengers you're going to have on your planes. If you, right. you, you know, you're going to, if you, let's say you hedge, say one, one, uh, you say a, a trip, I don't know, from, from New York to, to uh, Mexico or something, and you hedge that jet fuel, and then the price of jet fuel collapses, and then the plane is, the, the flight's canceled, you're dead, right? So that's, right. that's the issue you have. I mean, I, I don't, so, you know, you, you, you really would love these jet fuel prices in a normal situation, but if you can't get a good handle on demand, I don't know, you know, and, and there's heavy discount, discounting going on now too. So, you know, you, unless, unless you're sure that this plane is going to fly, I don't think you need to be going any too far forward to hedge these things. That's my view, but I'm sure other people are saying, you know, take advantage of these low prices. Yeah. I mean, I guess my view would be you, you, it's certainly a challenging hedge, you know, and a challenging hedge problem. I guess my view would be that you should try to hedge something. I mean, you know, you're going to have some type of demand, you know, yeah. it's just, yeah, you've got a lot of, you know, the spaces, you know, where's that demand and spaces risk, you know, do I use distal diesel, you know, jet fuel swap or a, crude you know maybe right. maybe you go into crude to hedge it so you know that you you demand presumably i guess i guess it could go to zero but <laughs> hopefully not yeah you know, that the, there must be some you know some underlying demand that you can that you can hedge yeah. right exactly. um, but again you know looking at the looking at the fundamentals as we understand them now um you don't really have to be a you know in a big hurry to um, you know, to hedge these because we're we're def you know in in the first and second quarter you know we're definitely going to start seeing some. The first quarter we've we've already seen a surplus, could be as much as two to maybe even more than that, two million barrels a day. And, right. You know, second quarter, you know, it's looking more like it, it's over three million barrels a day. Um, yeah. You know, those are those are you know those are huge numbers, and the, the only thing that's you know, going to prevent that is, uh, you know, if the Saudis and Russians get back to the table. Yeah, which is possible. Yeah, you know, I think it know. will happen. I, yeah. I just don't think it's going to be, you know, I think it'll be more towards the second, you know, later in the second quarter than earlier in the second quarter. Yeah. Or, I, one, one thing, just one more thing on the, on the airline or the end user hedge. If you, if you go out and hedge, you know, so let's say you hedge out pretty far, like a year or something, and the market drops, you have to start making margin calls. And, the thing right. you don't, and, and, and if you're in, in this kind of demand implosion situation, you want cash. I mean, you don't want to be putting cash out on that. Right. Uh, That's hedge. a good point. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, uh, anyway, yeah, and we don't, we don't know. We have no idea where the bottom is here. Yeah, we really don't. And we don't know when demand you know, when, when is demand going to start kicking in? Uh, the, the EIA, you know, incredibly didn't really make that many changes to their U.S. demand. And, uh, you know, you just have to look around us to, yeah. to know that, you, you know, U.S. demand is, is going to fall off the table. You know, look at the gasoline price. 
and we know that you know gasoline demand is you look at the traffic around and it's you know people are working from home so yeah, you know, we don't know when that's you know when is that coming back and is that you know that demand are people going to drive more no they're not going to drive any you know maybe they'll take driving vacations this summer rather than flying vacations but yeah um, you know it isn't like they're going to go out and drive like crazy right and they're working from home so they're not driving to to work right yeah right. so it's offsetting yeah we're still listen this is uh this is why we we enjoy following these markets this is a little crazy for us but um it's it's just uh is one thing after another with this oil market. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else? So we talked about gasoline, um, diesel. What else? Diesel what else? is diesel's actually been hanging in there relative to gasoline, but I think, you know, there's been a lot of widow maker training, you know, get me, get me out. The diesel cracks are, uh, are holding in and diesel, you know, diesel, diesel, Inventories have uh, have drawn nicely here. Actually, gasoline inventories have drawn nicely too, but the market didn't care much about that. You know, they were just right. like, "Get me out of this thing!" Yeah. <laughs> you know, demand's going negative, right. going to zero. Well, you, I mean, you already flushed a whole bunch of diesel specs out, right? Right. You're already the, anyway, right? Right. The IMO, the uh, IMO didn't play out quite as they thought. It wasn't so much the IMO. We we haven't had a winter here. Right. So, uh, uh, you know, at least in the, in the northern hemisphere. So it's, you know, uh, the and, global decline in, in diesel fuel. It isn't like demand was rip-roaring in the first two months of this year anyway. You know, b besides the X, you know, ex besides the coronavirus demand, dis the demand destruction, you know, the winter has definitely taken out some some demand right and margins you know because of gasoline's collapse here in the wow. last couple of days you know margins now are you know they're, they're pathetic you would have thought that you know that i, I think they will improve only because crude is you know crude should be should theoretically you know be somewhat cheaper than the than products but the the market you know just blistered gasoline so it's you know, it, it, it's changed some of the, the refining margins. And then, you know, we, we're at the point where, okay, what happens? We fill up all this crude storage, you know, and we're, that ultimately has to go somewhere, right? Yes. And that's, you know, that's going to be in products. Yeah, but that's, that's another, that's for later on. That's, that's another right. story later on. Yeah, and then you know you listen to the financial uh, news, and and you know people talk about well, how is this market going to come back? So you know, are we going back to normal? I don't, I don't know. I don't. I think it takes, you know, people are really uh, fearful right now. And, right and, now, yeah, yeah. yeah well, so the, well, we have to hope in like a you know a couple of months, maybe you know if this virus dies out and uh, people get you know start getting back to normal there's clearly going to be a stimulus package you know maybe maybe that'll help um and you know and hopefully some of these small businesses can can survive these these next couple of months because you know then not only the large ones but obviously the it's the smaller vendors right that are really getting hit here yeah we just uh again we don't know how this thing even though we're in the midst of this you know you could have modeled that this that maybe March was the peak of the virus and maybe 
in April as well, but it starts dying down. But living through it, I don't think you could have sort of predicted the kind of, um, we call it panic, but educated panic. I don't know what you want to call it, but uh, the, the precautions that people are making and, the, and kind of the downward spiral, the, the connectedness of all the, um, you know, like you, like you were just saying, the small businesses taking hits. Right. You know, you, know, you, didn't, we, you just didn't know how it was going to play out. So what else, Andy? What, what, what else you want to talk about? One thing I, I mentioned, the, um, I was just looking at the carbon credit markets in Europe. They have a, ICE has a futures contract. And I had read a Financial Times story about how, you know, the, the virus was causing, uh, was causing pollution levels to be really, really low significantly. And I said, oh, I wonder if that would spill into the European uh, futures market. And it uh, doesn't seem to have. I mean, it's, a, it's not going up, but it's just kind of, it's maybe at the lower end of a range, but uh, I don't know. There's other, it's like, it's like looking at the Clorox stock, I guess. What, what, what kind of things is, um, are, are, are the virus uh, are reacting? What, what, what kind of um, markets are being uh, uh, put into uh, upheaval other than the energy markets? But um, that's one of them that I was looking at. What else? And I have to say, you know, when you look at some of the stock, guys calling stock, uh, prices at the end of the year, some of them have the same, haven't changed their number, suggesting that this thing's over soon. And not that we get back to normal, but we get back to, uh, you know, an upward trajectory. And uh, my only comment on that is, um, you know, it's, it isn't the path we take more important than where we end up at the end right. of the year. Right. We, we could go down another two, <laughs> 3,000 points and there, there's going to be a lot, a lot of people aren't going to be around to say, uh, hey, you were right on your prediction. Yeah, you were right. right. <laughs> anyway, okay. So should we uh, stop it there? And, yeah, and- I, th- I think so. We went, okay. through, we went through a lot of things. And, uh, you know, I think we, we both said that, um, you know, the, there's plenty of uncertainty on, uh, you know, on both sides, on the demand and, and, the, and the supply side. And, yeah. uh, you know, hopefully the, the Saudis and the, and the Russians have a, you know, are, are able to work out some, some kind of, uh, some kind of detente and, uh, the market, you know, and demand goes back to more towards normal in the, in the second half. And, um, you know, we can, we can kind of staunch, staunch the, uh, you know, staunch the bleeding here. I think, um, maybe, uh, MBS has read, uh, Daniel Jurgen's book where he talks about, uh, John D Rockefeller and his, uh, old fashioned sweating. Right. where he would just lower prices against his competition until they couldn't take it anymore. So maybe, maybe this is old school policy. Uh, yeah. Pot, yeah. Well, we're, it, it's a cyclical business. That's for sure. <laughs> okay. So we'll pick it up next month, Andy. Thanks. All right. Uh, Jim, if, if there, anybody wants to get a hold of us, it's uh, a Lebeau at commodityresearchgroup.com, A-L-E-B-O-W, and Jay Colburn at commodityresearchgroup.com. And you can look for our company, commodityresearchgroup.com. Great. Thanks, Andy. Thank you, Jim.